Today we're in part two of our series, Game Plan for Life, and I'm so glad that each and every one of you are here with us. Thank you for being with us. And uh, guys, there's a little bit of static right over here. I don't know if you could do anything about that or not. That would be wonderful if you can. Game Plan for Life is what we're talking about. Um, you know, it's football season, obviously. We know that. You probably watched your favorite team yesterday, if you have a favorite team, college, if you have a favorite pro team, you'll watch that today. If you watched your favorite college team yesterday, it, it may be that you're thinking about in terms of their game plan. You may have seen your team play and say, well, they obviously it appears they had no game plan at all. It, it just didn't, you know, they, they should have had a plan, but they didn't have a plan. Uh, offensively, defensively, special teams, they just, you know, I don't know what went wrong, but uh, obviously, uh, you know, there was intended a plan whether or not it worked out. The beautiful thing about uh, God is God's uh, God's game plan for our life is always perfect, and the problem is never at God's end. The problem is oftentimes at our end, and so that's why we're talking about some things in the series that I think are going to be helpful to us. In, in fact, one of the things that I mentioned to you last week, by the way, if you were not here last week, I would encourage you to go uh, online, listen to that first talk in this series. This is a second one today, as I mentioned. I'm going to go three more after this one because what we're trying to do is we're trying to discover together what is God's will for my life. In fact, I asked you last week to start praying this prayer. If you are not already praying this prayer, God, show me your will for my life. God, show me, reveal to me, disclose to me what is your will for my life. If you're not praying that prayer already, I encourage you to start praying that prayer. And here's what I want to give you some assurance on. God wants to reveal his will. God is not trying to camouflage his will. God's not trying to hide his will. It's not like we've got to go to God and beg and plead and say, you know what? I know you really don't want to reveal that to me or I'm not good enough or I'm not spiritual enough or, you know, I've been a bad girl, bad boy lately, and so therefore you're probably not going to. No, we go because we believe that God has a plan, first of all, but God also wants to reveal that plan uh, to us. Now, in part one of this series, uh, to just launch a, just sort of an overview, I talked to you about if you were to go, uh, you know, Genesis 1-1 and read all the way through Revelation, and if you were to take all the verses that had anything to do with, like, uh, the will of God, uh, God's will for our life, uh, anything like that, you could categorically put them into one of, of three sections. And we talked about them. Uh, the providential will of God, the, basically, you know, the providential will of God. And you know this if you were here last week. The providential will of God is God's going to do what God wants to do because God is God. He's powerful. He's supernatural. He's able to do. He's sovereign. He can do whatever he wants whenever he wants. And we likened it to, you know, like when we were growing up, a, a dad, we're like, hey, I want to watch this. I want to watch that. Hey, this is coming on. And dad's like, okay, good, 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 good. But hand me the remote. We're going to watch what I want to watch. And the pro you know, God's going to do what he wants to do. So we talked about the providential will of God. The moral will of God, the moral will of God being, you know, in, in reality, the things that are in the Bible, the things that God says, hey, I want you to do that. And this is what my plan, you know, specifically, biblically, scripturally, this is what my plan is for your life. And here are the things that I want you to do. And if you're going to do these things, your life is going to be blessed. Your life is going to be enriched. But if you don't do those things or if you do the things that I'm telling you, you should not do. And that's in the Bible as well. And if you do the things I'm asking you not to do, well, that's going to bring all kind of complications. So the moral will of God, how do we discover that? It's just getting into the Bible and then saying, am I going to be obedient to the scriptures? Providential will of God, moral will of God. And then we touched upon 
uh, what is the personal will of God, the personal will of God. And, and the fact of the matter is, I mean, if we're all candid about this, uh, most of you, most of us, we're like, okay, that's, that's the one I really, I really want to dig into. Not that the other does not matter, because it most certainly does, but that's sort of the nuts and bolts of daily life. You know, what am I going to do with my life? Uh, should I buy that house? Uh, you know, should I try to begin this relationship? Uh, what do I do about my job? What do I do about my money? What, you know, and those personal will of God. And so uh, today we're going to start digging into this a little bit. And then next week, even a little bit more. In fact, next week, you really got to be here. And I would encourage you to bring somebody with you. In, in fact, if you know unchurched people and they're like, hey, I don't do the church thing, say, well, what we're talking about is going to be so important uh, for you to hear. And certainly we know it's going to have a biblical basis, you know, for that. But I'm going to be talking to you about how our current realities, like right now, you may not like where your life is, but oftentimes our current realities are just steps to get us to what is God's future plan for our life. And that's all I'm going to say about that because that's what I'm going to talk about uh, next week. But I'm encouraged by what we're going to talk about today. And in order to read some answers on the personal will of God, and again, we're going to scratch into that a little bit today and then next week a little bit more and then after that a little bit more, but in order to read some answers on the personal will of God, we need to firmly, uh, you know, get into, uh, you know, some things that ought to be talked about. Uh, primarily, I want to mention an obstacle, just sort of a negative on the front end so we can set that aside. But the obstacle to, that keeps you and I from fulfilling God's will for our life, that makes it at times basically out of reach for us, it's when you and I, listen to this now, this is really important, it's when you and I attempt to run a race that God has not intended for us to run. And, and we do this all the time. Right now in your life currently, you may be running a race. You may be on a path that God never intended you to be on that path or to run that race. You may be running, you know, your parents' race, uh, you know, your dad's race, your mom's race. You may be running your siblings' race. You may be saying, well, you know, my brother's this or my sister's that, and I'm, I want to be like them, and, you know, this is what they did, and this is what my parents did, and, you know, this is sort of dad's vocational life, and this is what is expected of me. And it may be that you're uh, running your a sibling's life. It, it may be that you're running the race of, of a colleague of yours that, you know, it's fine. Nothing wrong with the race. It's just not your race. It may be that you're running your competitor's race. And it's like God saying, no, 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 I, I don't, I have a race for you. I have a plan for you. I have a design for you. And, and this is what I want you to do in, ter in terms of the race I want you to run. Because anytime, any, and you know this, anytime you're running a race, that is not your race. It just doesn't feel right. It's, it just feels awkward. And, and you're wondering, when you're running a race that is not your race, it's like, you know, why is this not fulfilling to me? Why, why am I not enjoying this? Um, you know, why am I not achieving my potential? Why does this seem so unlike the person I am? It's like what I'm doing is not congruent with who I am as a person. This just, uh, and I'll touch on this a little bit more next week, by the way. And again, you've got to be here for that talk. But uh, it's sort of like David. When he went, and you know the whole story of David and Goliath. We'll talk about it a little bit more next week. But uh, he goes, and, and Saul's like, phew, thank, thank goodness somebody's going to go up against Goliath. And by the way, he's a big old giant. You're just a little shepherd boy. And why don't you put on my armor? Why don't you put on my armor and uh, you go out and fight? And David tried that. And it didn't work. It didn't fit. You know, uh, Saul was like um, extra large. He was medium. And so it just it just wasn't working out. And he's trying to, you know, fulfill something, you know, wear something that wasn't really his. Now, some of you are going to be surprised by this. 
uh, I played high school baseball. I started t-ball when I was real young, but uh, I was pretty good at baseball. Not great, you know. I didn't have, you know, like the Atlanta Braves calling me or the, uh, you know, the 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 Rays were not ringing up my phone because at that time I don't think they even existed. This was back at the turn of the century, the other century. And so I just thought, well, I'm I'm so I'm so good. Um, I'm so good at baseball, and I don't mean that, Eric, but I'm like, I've, I've got a talent and pitch and left-handed, coaches like left-handed pitcher. So I thought, well, I'm good at that, uh, and I played football when I was younger. I'm like, you know, I'm good at high school baseball. I bet I'd be really good at high school football, and that sounded like a great idea until I had to go and pick up the equipment. And, uh, and when I went to pick up the equipment for the tryouts, I started seeing the other players and when I saw the other players and the size of the other players, they were not the size of baseball players. And all I could do is look around at the other football players that were also going to be trying out or had made the team in previous seasons, looked at the equipment that looked like it belonged to Goliath and not to me. And I said, I don't think high school football is God's will for my life. I just don't think I ought to be doing that. So, uh, you know, you and I have to run the race that God intended for us. Now, according to the Bible, there's, there is a specific race that God has designed, hear me now, uniquely for you. You see, you're not me. And some of you are saying, thank God. You know, that's an answer to my prayer that I'm not, I'm not you. You're not me. I'm not you. And your race is not my race. And my race is not your race or anybody else's race for that matter. So how do you and I, this is really, really important. How do you and I discover the race that God has for us because if you can find the race and we need to talk about this if you can find the race that god has for you it's going to help you to understand god's personal will for your life if you find your design and, and let me just say and i'm going to declare it right up front i'll probably come back to it two or three times this is what you've got to understand this is so so important this is the like the main theme and everything else hopefully it's going to tie to this but the reality is the way that god has uniquely created you is an indication of what is God's will for your life. So the more that you can discover who God created you to be, and we're going to talk about that, it's going to help you to more clearly resonate with what is God's plan for your life. See, God has created you. you you're not like anybody else. There's a uniqueness to you. And I want to establish this truth right here near the beginning of this thought. So here, here it is. How God has designed you is actually a clue. It's a clue. The person that you are right now, the way that God has wired you up, your personality, your te uh, temperaments, your gifts, your talents, your abilities, your design is a clue concerning God's will for your life. So Jesus, uh, one time, is, he's telling this fascinating story. And in it, he actually called, uh, where we call it, uh, the parable of the talents. And he's telling this story about an owner who apparently had some, had some wealth of some sort. We don't know at what level but had an owner, and this owner goes on a journey. But just before he leaves on his journey, his extended journey, he entrusts some talents. He entrusts some gifts uh, into the hands of these three guys. The idea is this. It's the, it's the idea of the owner. It's the mentality of the owner. The owner is essentially saying, I I'm going away, and while I'm gone, I want to I see what you're going to do with what I've entrusted to you. Now, when I get back, just so that you, you boys know, when I get back, it's going to be accounting time. It's going to be evaluation time. I'm going to discover. I'm going away. Here's what I'm entrusting to you. But when I get back, I'm going to find out what you did with what I gave to you. 
Now, why would Jesus tell this story? We're not going to get into that. It's a whole other story. But you need to understand that because in it is a valuable lesson for us. You know what Jesus is trying to say to us? I really believe this with all my heart. What Jesus is saying to us in this story is like Jesus is saying, I am the owner and I'm going away. I'm going on a journey. Now, we talked about at the end of last service, Jesus, uh, last, the end of service last week, if I can get that out, that uh, Jesus is coming back again. You know, we know that's going to happen. Uh, we looked at a passage in, you know, the writings of the Apostle Peter, but Jesus is coming back again. When Jesus left this earth, he came into this world for 30-something years, walked the earth. He had existence before that. Theologically, we're not even going there this morning. we got other things to talk about. But Jesus existed before time. In fact, Jesus was, just by the way, and we could talk about it maybe sometime, Jesus was present even in creation. It's not like God was there and then later uh, God created Jesus. When God was there, Jesus was there. The Holy Spirit was there because they've always had an existence that happened before there was time. Now, that's unique, isn't it? So Jesus is there, and Jesus comes into the world. He, he's on mission. God has a game plan for his son, and he fulfills that mission. And so Jesus has gone away on a journey. And Jesus has been gone on his journey now. It's an extended journey. He's been gone about 2,000 years. He sent the Holy Spirit, but he has been gone about 2,000 years plus now. But he's coming back again. And Jesus is saying, in essence, I want you to get this. When I come back, when I come back, or when you and I have a counting day, when we have evaluation time, I'm going to find out what you did with what I gave you. That's so important, isn't it? I want you to think about that. That's true for nobody's excluded from that. You can't say, well, you know, I've not been in church that long and I don't know enough about the Bible. And I'm just trying to sort some things out. Listen, God has given to you. First of all, he created you. The Bible said that God knit you together. God put you together while you were in your mother's womb. And while God was putting you together, he, he created you in such a unique way. He imprinted his design upon your life. And there's going to be nobody exactly like you. And God said, here's who I'm going to create you to be. And I, by the way, I've given you talents and abilities. I've given you a design. This is part of my game plan for your life. And by the way, when I come back again, I'm, I'm going to evaluate. I'm going to see what you did with what I entrusted to you. Now, that's going to happen at some different levels. And the other levels, we maybe can talk about it another time. God's, God's going to evaluate one day, what did we do with the treasure that he entrusted to us? What did we do? How did we manage the money? Was, were we faithful? Did we put God first? Were we kind? Were we generous? Was it all about us? God's going to have an evaluation time, an accounting time with us one day concerning what do we do with the, with, the, uh, with, with the treasure that he's entrusted to us. God also, it's for a whole other day, and we'll talk about a whole other time. What did, what did we do with the time that God gave to us? Did we give God priority in terms of our time? You know, did we just give God the leftovers? You know, we get to the end of a meal at a restaurant and say, well, I don't, you know, I'm just going to left, and we put it leftovers in a container. And how many of you, when you put leftovers in a container, you never go back to it again? I don't know why you do that. You put it in the refrigerator. You take up space. You don't have any intentions of eating it. You know you're not going to eat it, but it's just too hard to leave it on the plate, all right? And so we do that sometimes with God. God, you know, I got what I want in here, and I'm just going to give you a little bit of the scraps of my time. And we'll have to give an account of that. But what we're talking about today is one day we're going to have to give an account of the talents, the gifts, the abilities, the design that God has given to us. Now, so Jesus tells this story, all right, about the talents, the parable of the talents. 
why did you? And so owner comes back, Jesus said, and he's happy with one. He's not too, uh, you know, he's happy with two. He's not really happy with one. And, and so it's, but it's accounting time. Now, here's another example to help you and I to understand just how critically important that finding our God's design is. Because I told you I'd come back to this. I'm going to come back to it again. If you discover your God's design, if you understand your talents, your gifts, your abilities, your design, that is a huge clue as to what is God's game plan for your life. So here's another example. In this case, we find that uh, it actually involves a mentoring relationship between a great church leader by the name of Paul. Paul's this seasoned, experienced, veteran Christian, and he's uh, pouring into the life of a young, inexperienced, timid leader by the name of Timothy. In fact, what Paul does is Paul writes two letters to Timothy. Does anybody want to guess what those letters are called? First, I'll give you a hint. First Timothy and... That is so good. And they're really like spirit-directed instructional manuals, for that matter. And he's saying, all right, I'm going to mentor you. I'm going to help you. And there's some things, Timothy, you know, he's like saying, I'm an old man. I've been around the block. And so there's some things that I've learned that I can help you. I can save you some headaches if you'll just listen, Timothy. And so I want you to take a look. This is from his first letter. Look at this with me up here on the screen. 1 Timothy 4.14 And Paul says to Timothy, do not neglect, don't neglect the spiritual gift you receive through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. So let's read together, starting with do and ending with give. Let's read that part together. Everybody help me out now. Do not neglect the spiritual gift. Do not neglect the spiritual gift. The gift that you receive, the gift that God gave to you don't neglect that gift and that's really really important don't neglect the gift that you have received paul is like saying listen now timothy some of us some of us have noticed some gifts and abilities that are resident within you and we want to confirm and affirm what god is doing in your life now that's what he's saying now, what you may not realize, you may not even realize it until what I'm about to say right now, that has actually happened to you on many occasions, even when you did not realize that it was happening to you. That somebody, and you didn't think about it because maybe that wasn't your mindset, but somebody was actually confirming something about you, that you were thinking about you, that you weren't necessarily thinking about in the moment that they mentioned it to you, but they were actually, by their remarks, confirming something to you and affirming to you what maybe you had already wondered about or had suspicion about or some thoughts about. And I'll give you some examples of this. Somebody has said to you, it's like what Paul is saying, hey, don't neglect the gift. We see this. Paul uh, is saying to Timothy, we want to confirm, we want to affirm this is, this is true of your life. So, Timothy, you get that. You're going to understand God's will for your life. And that happens to us many, many times. And somebody said, it comes across this way. Has anybody ever said something like this to you? You know what? You are really great with people. You know what? You've got great people skills. All right? You've got great people skills. Now, hopefully nobody said to you, you are lousy with people. Stay away from people. You know, you know hang out with animals or something. Don't go around people. You know. But you're great with people. 
How many of you, wave your hand at me. How many of you have heard somebody say that to you before? You're really great with people. You seem to have some great people skills, all right? That, that probably, and you didn't know about it, weren't maybe even thinking about it. Life is just ticking along, and you didn't stop and say, well, hey, that may be a clue as to what God's will is for my life. Or somebody said something like this to you, you make that look so easy. You do, you do that, and they're like, you know, ama- and I find that true with so many of you and abilities and talents that you have. You make that look so easy, and I'm like, you know what? I think I'm smart, but I'm not really smart because I'd never know how to do that. And I think in, an, you know, 200 lifetimes, I'd never know how to do what you do. You make that look so easy. And somebody said that to you, and that, what you may not realize, that may have actually been a clue as to part of God's design for your life. Or somebody said to you, you're so hospitable. Man, you just, the way you open up your home, the way you open up your life, you're just hospitable. Or you do a great job at leading. Or you're a great organizer. Has anybody ever said something like that to you? Has anybody ever said to you, man, the way you organize that, the way you took care of the details, the way you put that together, man, you put a lot of time. How many of you have ever had somebody say to you, hey, you're good at organizing things. Just wave at me like this. You're good at organizing things. You're good at that. Or how many of you have heard somebody say, you're good at leading. You're good at leading. Anybody ever say to you, you're good at speaking. When you get up and you speak, uh, you're, you're good. So those are oftentimes clues. We don't think about them in the moment, but they're actually confirmation and affirmation of maybe something that God is doing in your life. Somebody says, you know what? You sing well. Nobody's ever said that to me. Nobody has ever said that to me. One time I asked to sing in church. It's been years ago. Once I asked, I want to sing in church. Please let me sing in church. And they said, all right, you can sing in church if you will sing on a hill far away, real far away, real, real far away. Nobody says that to me. Or somebody says, you sing well, or you write well, or you speak well, or you create well, or you organize well, or you lead well, or you care well, or you help well. And those are often clues in terms of God's design for your life. And if you understand your gifts, talents, the uh, design that God created you, that's, those are clues to help you to understand God's game plan for your life. How many of you, this is starting to make a little bit of sense to you? And it's okay for you to be good at certain things and horrible at certain things. Some of you, I watch the way that you're like a handy person. You're like, you can build anything, repair anything, fix anything, do anything. And I just say, where was I on the day that God was handing out all of those gifts? Where was I? I'm like, uh, you know, if you have a handyman situation, please call me. And the reason I want you to call me, not because I can help, because I can find somebody that can help like I've always had to find somebody to help me do handyman kind of things. Some of you are going to find this to be funny. I, I don't, but I'll go ahead and tell the story. So I'm about 18 years of age. I live in Atlanta, the suburbs of Atlanta, and I get a job with a heating and air conditioning company that was doing a lot of construction, a lot of new homes, big subdivision. So I was the helper. We were installing, you know, up there. You know, here we have primarily electric heat. Up there, there was a lot of gas, a lot of natural gas. So we were installing air conditioning systems and heating systems. And I learned how to thread pipe. If you've never done that, that's like one of the greatest joys in your life. But primarily, I was a gopher. I was taking stuff to the guy who really knew what was going on. And so I can remember one day, I'm 18 years of age, this guy's like a veteran, he's really good, I'm watching, I'm learning, you know, and so he says, I want you to go out to the work truck, and I want you to get me that PVC pipe. And that morning, we had loaded this work truck, and it's a long piece of PVC pipe, some of you have heard me tell this story, so long, we couldn't put it out of the back of the truck, it was like in a horseshoe, I want you to see this mental image, it's like in a horseshoe, all right, PVC a bend. So it's like one side and right side of the truck. It's just sort of a circle. It bends, and it's packed under a lot of different things. And he goes, and uh, he says, I, 
I want you to go and get me that piece of PVC pipe. We're going to do some. And I'm like, okay, I can do that. I'm young. I'm strong. A PVC pipe doesn't weigh much, so I can get all the other stuff out of the way. So I go out, and, uh, you know, other people, here's the problem. Other people were also working at this job site. I just need to tell you that. Other people were working at the job site. Primarily, I mentioned Goliath earlier. There was a guy about the size of Goliath, a construction worker, and he, was, he had a saw on some saw horses, and he was cutting wood. And best I can remember, his shoulders were about this wide, and he had muscles on top of muscles on top of muscles. So our truck had been backed up near where he was working. That's a clue, speaking of clues. So I go to pull the PVC pipe, and I'm like, And it won't come. So I'm like, I will, you know, Jesus helping me. This is coming out of here. And I yanked it so hard, the ends of the PVC, PVC pipe started saying, they just came out rapidly. They straightened out. And when they straightened out, I heard, smack. <laughs> and I looked up just in time to see the construction worker, you know, his cutting a V, muscles on top of muscles. He was leaning over. The PVC pipe hit him across his back, lower back, left a pretty good welt there from what I remember. And he turned around and looked at me like, little man, your life is coming. So about that time, I'm like, no, I'm like, and I'm like, how did I get myself into this? And I'm just like, I, oh, I, I don't even know. I never learned it. I mean, I, some of you don't know this about me, so I'm just going to reveal it, and you can give me a hard time about it later. I actually went to heating and air conditioning school. I did. Spent a year of my life. Wasted all kind of time and all kind of money. If you ever need your heating and air conditioning system fixed, call me. When I get through with it, you'll turn your thermostat on, and your toilet will flush. I don't know how that works. <laughs> But that's just how it works. I don't know. I don't know. It's just that's what happens. So, I, you know, I don't pretend to be like, I, you know, I'm not one of the, I can just, you know, let me at it. You know, let me, I, I, man, you guys, you, you all amaze me sometimes. I, I need to stay with the things that God has gifted me to do. And, and um, you know, it's not a whole lot, but what he's given me, then I want to use it to his glory, to his honor. I did a funeral service for Jairus's, uh best friend from high school. Some of you know this. About uh, two months ago, uh, we left after Sunday night service, drove to Savannah, Georgia, did that service the next day. Now, my father-in-law, because he knew this uh, young lady, certainly growing up with Jairus her whole life. So my father-in-law was at the funeral service, and I'm just going to quote what my father-in-law said later to Jairus in his words. All right. So it's sort of a backhanded compliment. This is what he said, and I wrote it down so I didn't mess it up. He said, Jeff cannot hammer a nail straight, but he's a really good speaker. He can't hammer a nail straight. Let me just help you guys out, okay? Let me just... All right, that's... He can't hammer a nail straight, but he's a really good speaker. Now, guys, when you're trying to determine your own self-worth, I want to give you some insight here. Your personal self-worth is somewhere between what your mother thinks of you and what your mother-in-law thinks of you. It's somewhere right here in the middle. 
you are not as good as your mother thinks you are, but you're not as bad as your mother-in-law. So you're somewhere right, so just keep that in mind. When your mama's telling you something, just know you're not that good. When your mother-in-law's telling you something, you're not that bad. All right, so I'm just saying that has nothing to do with the talk, but I thought I'd throw it in just to help you. All right, back to 1 Timothy 4. I better stay on track. I'm going to get in trouble. Make sure that this is not available online just in case my father-in-law happens to be there. All right, so 1 Timothy 4, 15. Give your complete, this is Paul to Timothy, first letter. Give your complete attention. I want you to be really focused. Give your complete attention to these matters. Throw yourself into your task so that everyone, this is really important, so that everyone will see your progress. We'll come back to that in just a moment. Paul to Timothy, he's saying, what I'm telling you, uh, Timothy, this is not small potatoes here. This is major stuff. It's going to set you up. Timothy, if you'll do this, this is going to set you up to discover and do God's will for your life. Now, please listen again to what I'm about to say. If you will make it your absolute priority, you can't play around at this. You can't be like half in, half out. You can't be pacifistic. You can't be like, well, if I ever. But if you will make this a priority to identify your God-given talents and gifts, then you are well on your way to realizing God's game plan for your life. Again, is this starting to make sense to anybody right here? The way that God has created you, the way that God has designed you, the way that God has given you talents and abilities and gifts, these are clues concerning God's will for your life. Let's jump now over to Paul's second letter. I mentioned he wrote two uh, to Timothy. This is the second one, 2 Timothy 1.6. He said, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Guys, keep that up for just a moment. This reason, I remind you, fan into flame. Don't let it go out. How many of you know that if you build a fire, uh, you know, like a, a campfire or you have a, how many of you have a fireplace in your home? Just wave at me like this. You, you have a fireplace. You can try this to, today when you get home from church because the weather is just like perfect for like an indoor fire. So you can just try this. Uh, if you don't pay attention to a fire that you have built, you neglect it, guess what's going to happen to it? You know this. Eventually it's going to die down. It's going to disappear. Now, I'm not saying to you, and again, I don't want there to be confusion here. I'm not saying to you that God's gifts and talents given to you are going to evaporate or that they're going to disappear, but they might as well if you're not using them. You with me on that? If you're not using them, they might as well disappear. So I want to quickly give you three words. Just hit them, and then we don't have much longer, and I want to just sort of get this in, and then I want to pray. But three words here. Uh, first word, identify. Identify. What I mean by this is, you know, what do you sense that God is doing in your life? I mean, what do you sense your talents and abilities and giftings are? And it's good to take what you sense about yourself and maybe get confirmation uh, from other other people. Uh, if, if you go to somebody and you're like, um, I'm like this m like major organizer, detail person, and you're telling them that, that you think that's who they are, you think you are how God created, and you're saying that to them, and they bust out laughing? Just take that into consideration, just saying. So, you know, take what you sense, but get some confirmation from some other people. And, and seriously here, just read the Bible. Read what the Bible says about certain gifts and talents and abilities. Go, you know, primarily found in the New Testament, but you immerse yourself in the Scriptures. And as you read, just say, hey, I think maybe God has given me that talent. Maybe God has given me that gift. Maybe God has given uh, me that, that ability. And then just say, well, you know, I, 
I, I want to identify that. And there's ways, and if you just say, hey, I'd, I'd like to study this a little more deeply, send me an email or something. We'll, we'll refer you to some things where you can get really, really deeper into like spiritual gift assessment, things such as that. So first word, identify. Second word is experiment. Experiment. Look for open doors and opportunities. And, and just experience. If you say, well, I think, I think God has raised me up to do this. I, I seem to have these talents, these abilities. And, you know, I notice, and you don't say it properly. I notice I have them, some other people. And may, maybe this is how God designed me. And, and you've got some passion for those things. Started looking for some opening doors and saying, I'm going to try that. I'm, I'm going to try it and see, number one, once I get involved in it, immerse myself in, do I have passion for it? Do I find some excitement about it? You know, do I want to come back to it? If you're like, hey, I, you know, I think I'm all right, but I just dread it, hate it, can't stand it, don't want to be here. Well, you know, you got to have passion for it. But then in addition to having some passion for it, just say, am I good at it? Am I good at it? All right? Has anybody ever, and I'll just give you one example. Has anybody ever told you they could sing and you said, well, let's hear it? Cut loose, honey, let it go. And they did, and you're like, don't ever do that again. <laughs> Don't ever, ever do that again. And that's me. Uh, and so, you know, it's, it's experiment. You know, do you have passion for it? What are you effective? Third word, develop it. Develop it. It's like a muscle. The more you work it, the more you're going to develop it. And if you don't use the gift that God has given you, the talent that God has given you, you don't function in the design that God has given to you, you're, you're, it's going like, to be like a muscle that goes into atrophy. I have uh, young pastors. Isn't it funny the stage that I'm at in my life? I used to always be the young pastor, but I'm not the young pastor anymore. I used to say, hey, these older guys speaking in my life, now I'm not like a young pastor anymore. So now as I used to go to older guys, now younger guys are coming to me, and that makes me feel really old, and I'm... I don't know how I feel about that. But nevertheless, my therapist is helping me to deal with that. But uh, nevertheless, when I, like a young pastor, and it's like, hey, I, you know, I feel called to preach, and I think that God has given me some talents, some abilities to be able to do that. And how, what do I do? And so I'll, I'll give some practical things. But then before I'm done, I'm going to say this. The only way you're going to get better at it, you just got to do it. You got to get up and do it and do it and do it and do it and do it. If God has given you a talent, ability, a gift in that, then you just keep. And the more you stay at it, you're not going to be able to develop your gift if you never use your gift. And that's true of you. And it's true in any spectrum of life. So identify, experiment, and then develop. Repetition, you may want to keep this in mind or write it down somewhere. Repetition equals growth. Repetition equals growth. All right? Now, I couldn't even think about wrapping up this message without letting you know that your God-given talents, gifts, and abilities are not actually about you or for you. They're actually about other people. In fact, if you do not use and I do not use what God has given to us, then not only do we lose, but other people lose as well. Remember the latter part of verse 15? The guys are going to put it up here. The latter part of verse 15. Throw yourself into your task so that everybody will see your progress. So that you're helping other people. I'm out of time. I've got more. We'll come back. Don't miss next week, but I want you to stand with me. And as you're standing, I want you to look at the screen, and I'm going to leave you with this statement, and then I want to pray over you. Look at this statement. Jesus chose to advance his work 
primarily on the shoulders of ordinary people. That's, that's like you and me. Ordinary people who live in the real world of family and business and community. Jesus chose to advance his work primarily on the shoulders of ordinary people just like you and me, just like you and me. So why don't you do that? Why don't you just start saying, you know, if you really want to get serious about God's game plan, God, you created me. I know that, got it. But when you created me, man, you put some gifts, you put some talents. There was a unique design that you had in my life, and that's a clue about your will for my life. And you just start saying, God, I want to know that. God, that prayer. God, show me your will for my life. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? And you identify some things that you're good at, and you do like me. Just be okay with things you're not good at. You can't have an ego about it. And then just say, you know what? I'm going to experiment. Do I have passion for it? Am I good at it? Can I develop it? And just see maybe what God might do. Next week, I'm going to talk to you about where you're at currently. It's probably just something that God is using in your life right now to get you to the future where God wants you to be. That is a message you will not want to miss. But I want to pray for you today. I want you to bow your heads. I want you to close your eyes. Would you just do that? Would you lift up your hand? If you just say, hey, I've got some decisions to make. I've got some big decisions to make. I've got some decisions in my family. I've got some decisions about, about my personal economy. I've got some decisions in regards to my work and my vocation. I've got some decisions I've got to make, and I've got to make them pretty soon, and I need God's help and God's wisdom. If that's you, would you just put up your hand? Just put it straight up in the air, all right? Put it straight up in the air and leave it up for just a moment. Now I want everybody else, you can look around. It's okay. It's all right. We all have decisions. Everybody else, raise your hand. And the reason I want you to look around right now because there's somebody probably fairly close to you that has their hand raised. Don't put your hands down if you raised it a moment ago. Keep it right up. Keep it right up. And look and find somebody near you that has their hand raised and just go over to them and just put your hand on their shoulder. Just be there for support. You're just saying right here, make sure that everybody, look around. Don't wait for somebody else to do it. You find them. You find them. You look. Don't wait for something. Just go over to them. Put your hand on their shoulder. And let's just pray for them right now. We're all praying together. We're all trusting together. We're all believing together. This is what the body of Christ does. We pray for each other and encourage each other. Now, Father, these are people that have got to make some decisions. Some are like gargantuan. Some are like so mad. Some of them are like uh, career changing, vocational changing. And we just pray that you would give them wisdom. Some people are having to make decisions about their business. And this this is coming upon them, God. It's, they're going to have to make it. Maybe they've even been putting it off a little while, just trying to delay the inevitable. But now it's upon them. And here in very short order, they're going to have to make a decision about something about their business or about their career or about a job opportunity. And God, we just pray that you would give them wisdom and that you would lead them and that you would guide them because, God, you're all about your plan and your will for their life. We pray that you'll bring it into pass. In Jesus' name. Everybody said, I love you, everybody. Thank you for being here. Don't miss next week.